for those of you who don't know me, my name's Chris. Um, I help out with the youth and young adults here at Cornerstone. Um, and unfortunately, I make the slides, which you all saw my uh, wonderful job of those lately, haven't you? Um, it's been a really kind of, uh, last week and this week, I've been given the opportunity to kind of do like a two-week sermon series. Um, and we've, we've really, uh, last week, so if you weren't here last week, it's all right, I'm going to give like a little bit of an overview of what we kind of got to the conclusion of last week, is we came to this sort of point, and if we want to put the slides up, Dan, would be great, is we came to this place that we can find God in unexpected places. So often we look for God in the normal, everyday places that we know He's at. We know He's at a church on a Sunday, right? We, we could feel it, we, we had this beautiful moment. We know he's in our scriptures, he's in the word. We know he's in these different sort of places, but actually, quite often, God shows up in places where we're not expecting him. We have these moments littered all through our scriptures of God showing up, and it's like a bit of a holy surprise, isn't it? And that story that, we, that I kind of repeated and we finished in last week was that story of Jacob, when he falls asleep, lays his head on a rock, has this amazing dream of the heavens opening up above him, and he wakes up in the morning and he exclaims, for surely God was in this place and I never knew it. Surprise. So there's these moments in our life where maybe you go to sleep. I feel pretty good after a good sleep as well. But maybe you wake up in the morning. Maybe there's these moments that we have where we can wake up to God being present in our circumstances, that God can be present in the valley at 4, 3 a.m. in the morning on a scooter, that God can be found in these places where we don't actually think He's present, but God is still there. And the way I kind of finished in that is I think that there is a task of the Christian, of the everyday believer, of you and I, not to simply ignore the rest of the world, to just come to church on a Sunday and then have tunnel vision for the next Sunday through the week. But we have this task, this job of fossicking, of getting a sieve out and being willing to shake through the dirt of our lives, shake through the dirt of contemporary culture and find those things within them that are precious, that point to God. That we could find gems, emeralds, sapphires in piles of dirt in central Queensland, the gem fields in, Rock in Emerald, right? But we can find these places of God's presentness in the world, in our Mondays and our Tuesdays, 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 <laughs> every day I chew. Uh, uh, what a pun. Uh, we can find God in these places in the world, even when we're not expecting it. So, that's where we were, and this morning, uh, th sorry, last week, that's where we finished, of finding God in these unexpected places. So, the job of us as fossickers are to attune our eyes, to make sure we've got the right glasses on, to see what God is doing, to attune our ears, to make sure we're listening, to hearing God, who is at work in the world around us. Because I don't know about you, but I'm pretty convinced that God's at work in the world, right? <laughs> yeah? John 3.16, this one that we throw out there all the time. If you're a fan of wrestling, you know this one well. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the whole world, right? It's not just like Cornerstone Christian Church. For God loved the world. 
God is doing things in the world around us, and you and I need eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing. So maybe sometimes we can be missing what God is doing because perhaps we've got tunnel vision or expectations of God only goes things this way or does things this way. So this job of foster king is being willing to lift up our gaze, to attune our ears to what God is doing. What I want to kind of bring us this morning is that this idea of foster king that I proposed to us last week is the exact same one that the New Testament writers are talking about when they're calling us to be a community of discernment. Throughout the New Testament, there is this phrase that keeps showing up, this idea that you and I as Christians aren't just meant to be here to not think and just to, I don't know, have, get holy emails come through and just obey whatever we have to do. But there's this task with the Spirit where we are constantly in a life of discerning what God is doing and what God would have us do in the world. Let's look at a few scriptures of where we see this present. So, fossicking and discernment. So, we see this in John chapter 17, verses 14 to 18. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of this world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Jesus praying this prayer for the disciples. Discernment is necessary when we've been sent into the world, right? If we were not sent into the world, discernment is null and void. Cross it off the list, we don't need that. <laughs> We don't need the Spirit to help us know and help us and guide us in these moments. So Jesus here is praying. He's sending you and I, his disciples, into the world, not to separate ourselves from the world, not to run away from it, but to enter into the world with discernment. We see this in 1 John. When John, the author, is writing to these groups of people, he says, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. That's capital S spirit. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, small s, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets, prophets have gone out into the world. John, in this letter, is calling the people to test the spirits around them, to discern, <laughs> to not just go, oh yeah, I heard it on YouTube, it must be right. <laughs> to not just hear and give whatever we're given and just go, yes, feed me, like I've opened my gullet. But rather to discern what is God doing in the world? What is God saying to us? What are we guided to do? What gems can we find in this dirt? And we do this with the Spirit. We're not alone. We do this with the Spirit. And then thirdly, in 1 Corinthians, and this is where we'll take us for the rest of this morning. Paul, imploring the church in Corinth, the region, he says, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for... Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? 
but we have the mind of Christ. Paul is saying that us, you and I, with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, are to make judgments, are to discern, are to test, are to examine all things. This is a job we have. (laughs) I think actually a lot of our life is trying to shirk our responsibility of having to discern. Right? It's so much easier getting told what to do. (laughs) Yeah, some people are nodding. Like when you're in a job and things are getting complex and you're going to have the buck fall on you, oh, just tell me what to do, I'll do that. (laughs) Because then it's your fault. But we have been given this holy responsibility. I am constantly perplexed why God gave us a free will in Genesis chapter 1, right? I'm thinking about it all the time. But you know what I have to come to the conclusion of? God trusted us enough to give us a free will. Do we trust ourselves enough to have the free will that God gave us, right? This is a little bit confronting, but this idea, this, this call to action to discern in the world means that we can't just separate ourselves from it, but we are sent to it. With the Spirit, with the mind of Christ, Paul says. You're not doing this by your own some. You're not alone. You have the mind of Christ. The rest of the book of Corinthians, and constantly through it, Paul is calling not just the individual, but the church community to discern together. We are doing a task at the moment where we're talking about what does Cornerstone look like moving forward. It's not just one person going, well, this is what I say, let's all get on board. As a community, we are discerning this together. And you know what? Sometimes that's frustrating. Sometimes that's annoying. It's like, just let's just do something. No, no, no. We, as a community, are choosing the hard route of the Spirit guiding us to discern what God is doing amongst us and in our community. Can, we, can you see this taking place, this hard job, this task of fossicking? Discernment is done in community. It's done with one another. So what I'm hoping to do over the next 20 minutes is I would like to do some fossicking with you. Um, I would like to do a little bit of let's look at some things in our culture, in the world, And let's see, as we sift, if God is present in those places. So this might be a little bit different. I'm going to take us, I'll give you a bit of a forewarning. I warned you that I really love rap music. We're going to look at rap music in the (laughs) mid-2010s, okay? In church of all places. I know you're freaking out already. (laughs) We're going to look at some cultural voices going on. And seeing how these things, how these people are maybe pointing to God without them even realizing it. So, um, I think we can all agree that the last 20 years has been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, In the last 20 years, we've seen the invention of uh, the computer, the internet, the iPhone which has, for some reason, unbeknownst to all of us, resulted in people dancing at all different places on TikTok, right? (laughs) We have seen these cultural and major technological advances in the world have happened at a rapid rate in the last 20 years. And they've talked about that no more now, uh, no more in in human history have you and I ever been more connected to everything in the world, (laughs) right? 
Who knew, by the way, that having all of the world's information in our pocket would make all of us so much dumber? But that's a whole other conversation, isn't it? But we have, not us, of course, sorry, sorry, everyone else, everyone else, we're the smart ones. We know how to use the internet well. <laughs> we are more connected to each other than ever before. We are more connected to our phones, to one another, through our phones. I, my parents live seven and a half hours away. I can give them a call this afternoon on the way home from church. We are more connected to ever, uh, com- more connected to everyone than we've ever been before in human history. So much so that last night I was on Instagram and I saw my sister-in-law and my niece got a haircut. <laughs> right? I was there. I know, she got a haircut. I'm connected with her. Haven's hair looked beautiful. I loved it. She's ready for holidays. That's what the, that's what the caption said. <laughs> ready for holidays. I've connected with her, but have I, right? Have I actually connected with my niece, who lives in Emerald of all places, by the way? I'm jealous. My 10-year-old me is jealous. Have I actually truly connected with her? Now, I know this is not the gospel against social media this morning. I just want to get that (laughs) right out there. But I think we've actually gotten so obsessed with tools of connection and communication, but maybe we're actually not connecting that well. Do you know how I know this? Um, Because we're more connected than ever, but literally, last week, the World Health Organization just released a statement saying that the global health concern is loneliness. I've been thinking about this message for a few weeks. I'm like, I just need a good article to pop up. And the Lord delivered. (laughs) Perfect. That says what I want to (laughs) say. But literally, it happened. The World Health Organization in 2023 released that the global public health concern is loneliness. But we're more connected than ever. Doesn't make sense, does it? It's a little bit confusing. Now, I know you might be like, Chris, have you heard of a little something called COVID-19, man? It just, it just tore shreds through us. We were all lonely. We were all feeling that. Well, my argument is, and maybe this is an unpopular one, I don't think COVID actually revealed to us anything new. I actually think it just exacerbated problems that were already there. Because before COVID-19, before this global pandemic, people were feeling lonely. There was a global problem, a public health concern of loneliness. This isn't just... Australia, by the way, this is all over the world. In fact, it's worse in nations that are more developed. The more we get things figured out, for some reason, the lonelier we're getting. We are connected, yet alone. Connected, yet alone. So, in rap music in the mid-2010s, I'm not going to play any of it, don't worry. (laughs) It's not appropriate for church. Yeah, I'm going to rap it instead, yeah. (laughs) You guys don't know, Zeke and I rapped some songs when we were like 12 years old on the front of church. We would break b-boying and everything, yeah. That was just a sample, by the way, of what I can do. It's it's more than you'll ever know. Ah, Zeke, I'm a great dancer. (laughs) I'm really not, I'm really not. Okay, so... But rap in the mid-2010s had this one hip-hop artist named Mac Miller. Maybe you've heard of him or seen him before. Mac Miller wrote this album in the mid-2010s called uh, Swimming. Um, It's a really, really interesting album. And again, I'm not going to shy away from the fact that it's not kosher Christian 
rap music to go listen to. I want, to <laughs> there's a proviso here. I've done some sifting, if that makes sense. But there's this one song, track eight, called Small Worlds. This is pre-COVID. This is pre the, the global announcement made by uh, WHO. Mac Miller is talking about life, and it's like a small world. He talks about life, so, uh, the world's so small until it's not. He's talking about this kind of idea that we can feel so connected, that the world's so small, that I can walk down the street and run into a childhood friend, that I can jump, pull up something on my camera or on my phone and FaceTime with someone from across the world. But even in these moments of connection, I still feel alone. Have you ever been at a party? Everyone's like talking and having fun. Maybe it's like a dinner party. And then all of a sudden, you just feel yourself kind of drifting into the background going like, what is going on here? <laughs> I feel no one understands me or I feel alone. Maybe you've been hanging out with your friend and all of a sudden it hits you that no matter how close you are, they'll never understand your thoughts or your brain. Um, maybe it's like that with your spouse or your father or your mother. I don't know. We have these moments of feeling connected but at the same time feeling alone. So Mac Miller talking about this idea, this concept, this problem that he's beginning to face in small worlds has this lyric. He says, you never told me that being rich was so lonely. Nobody knows me. Oh, well, it's hard to complain from this five-star hotel. I'm always in a rush. I've been thinking too much. But keep it on the hush. No one need to know, just us. Mac Miller, the verses before this, actually, he's talking about what, how do I fill this hole of loneliness? How do I fill this frustration that I have that I feel like I'm not connecting? And he starts trying to fill it with stuff. He's like, uh, maybe if I could just dunk a basketball. <laughs> I've thought that one before. It doesn't work. Maybe if I was just a little bit taller or a little bit more handsome or a little bit better looking, maybe if I had a little bit more money, it would fill this feeling of loneliness. He's even, he even says, maybe if, I had, if, maybe if I just do better, maybe if I have sex with whoever, maybe if I just keep my stuff together. If I could just do those things, maybe then. But he comes still to this conclusion. No one ever told me that being rich was so lonely. And the worst part about it for him is he's like, how can I even complain about being lonely? I've got it all. I'm staying in five-star hotels. I'm chasing after these things, but they're not filling this loneliness hole within me. Maybe you've done this, right? Maybe you've chased after stuff, after things. Someone prayed just before, um, I think it was Rob, that bankruptcy in the world. Maybe you've chased after products, after a new pair of shoes or a new car or a new push bike like I am at the moment, I'm looking. Chase after these things, but they don't actually fill that need or that hole that I have within myself. Mac Miller's talking exactly to the same thing. It's almost like you can chase the whole world, but what is it going to profit if you lose yourself? Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> Mac Miller, in the poet's prose, in the rapper's lyrics, is literally quoting Matthew 16, 26. 
Now, he may not necessarily know it. I don't think he went out there going, I want to prepare a song that's a three-point sermon on Matthew 16, 26. I don't think that's going on at all. But out of, from a, a pure human pursuit in what he is being confronted with, he's realizing that stuff and things of this world don't fill the hole that he has within himself. He's still rich but lonely, connected but alone. This rapper, singer, is crying out. He's saying things that we've all thought and perhaps had to get our fingers burnt doing. But interestingly enough, he's asking the same question, coming to the exact same conclusion that you and I have been talking about for centuries. That actually, we can chase the things of this world, but it's still not going to fill this hole of loneliness. Because Jesus, that formatting was weird, sorry, but because Jesus, because God keeps showing up in unexpected places, doesn't he? He used a donkey's mouth. <laughs> he used Mac Miller's mouth. Hopefully, he sometimes uses my mouth to speak what God is saying to us, his people, in broken places of this world. I'm convinced that God will keep showing up in unexpected places. And I'm so thankful for it. So what on earth do we do with this? Don't worry, I'm not saying all go listen to Mac Miller's album, though you can if you'd like to. Um, I actually had another few artists prepared to talk through, but there was just, I was like, I just went down a really deep rabbit hole of like music in the mid-2010s, which is not good for anyone. Um, there was a, quite a lot of artists in the same year talking about this thing and feeling of loneliness that they were having. What do we do with this? What do we the church, the Christians, the believers in God, what on earth do we do with this? Because I think this is the question. I think one thing we can come to the conclusion of is that God is working through all people, even though they may not realize it. Amen? <laughs> that means he'll work through you, me, us, all people. And the other thing is this isn't just a them problem. This is our problem. This is the problem of our neighbourhood, of Alderley, is loneliness. This is the problem of the people around us that we work with, our friends, our family. They too are listening to this and they're crying out with it. So can we hear the cries of these people within society? Because they speak on behalf of us. They speak to God's movement, what God is doing in the world. So how does our faith respond? For a lonely world, relationship is the answer. Um, I am so caught with the fact that Christianity is a community, is a fellowship, is a faith that are experts in relationship, right? For a world that is lonely and is seeking connection, Christianity is a faith that is built on Trinity 
on community between God that we have been invited into. Christianity is a faith that has been meeting together in community, in relationship, for literally thousands of years. We've got a lot of experience at this. Unfortunately, Mac Miller lost um, his life to, um, to suicide when he was like a few years ago. And I can't help but wonder if there are other Mac Millers out there, if there are other people crying out who are lonely in this world and they're just wanting a bit of relationship with others and with God. Because it is this, this cry of people, this faith that we have, that can be the answer to their burning questions. To those who are saying, hey, I've got a five-star hotel, but I'm still lonely. How is we, I, I wonder sometimes if we as the faith community can be so much enjoying community and relationship and fellowship with one another, we forget or we don't hear that there are people crying, trying to get inside. <laughs> there are people asking for a way in. There are people trying to seek it, but we've done such a good job of just ignoring it altogether. We can't hear it. We can't see it when people in our world are crying out for God. Um, if only we could hear. I think looking to those around us, hearing the cry of the oppressed, it's not just a cute Christian idea, it's our duty of disciples of Christ. And I want to encourage us that God is working in unexpected places. We just have to look. We just have to hear. Can I get the band up? I am. Um, my favorite purchase, perhaps of my whole life, has been noise-canceling headphones. It's a game changer. I don't know if you've ever gotten on a flight with the luxury of seeing, and I mean this in the lovingest way, of seeing two small babies boarding the flight at the same time as you, and you know it's not going to affect you at all. Rob and Meg, you're not allowed to do that on your flight, by the way. It's your child. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got these noise-cancelling headphones, and I just love them. Um, I actually, it's like, I listen to music, I listen to audiobooks, and it's just this beautiful way to declutch from the world, to ignore everything, and just focus in whatever enjoyment I'm getting from it. But there's also this other thing that does happen, is it's actually the way I deal with stress. Having a fight with Carla, I'm like, oh man, I just want to go listen to a book for a bit. <laughs> Feeling stressed about my inbox and all those red flags that I've done on those emails that are stressing me out, I'm just going to go listen to a song. I want to go listen to an album for 20 minutes. That'll just help me calm down and chill out. I'm blocking out the world. <laughs> I'm closing my eyes. I'm doing this to just ignore those things. Um, I'm sorry with the bad news this morning, but I've realized that no matter how long I listen to my album or my audiobook, no matter how long I close my eyes, my problems don't magically disappear. There comes a moment where I have to take off the headphone, 
get up out of my chair and go, I've still got to go have that conversation. I still need to click respond, reply all on that email. I still need to call up that person who I know is offended. No matter how much I put the headphones on, listen to something else, close my eyes, the world is still happening around me. I think sometimes in our Christian life, we can put our headphones on, we can fill it up with good stuff too. We can close our eyes and we can miss what God is doing all around us. We can miss what's happening in the world around us. This morning, I want to encourage you, be brave enough to take off the headphones. Be brave enough to open your eyes. Be brave enough to grab the sieve to roll up your sleeves and go get your hands dirty and fossick for what God is doing in the dirt around us. That's the life we've been invited to. That's the model given to us by Christ, who saw what was happening in this world. And if I could get the communion attendants to come and prepare, who saw what was happening in this world. And he didn't say, let me just let them figure it out. I'm listening to a great audio book on birds. Who went, do you know what? I'm moving into the neighborhood. I'm going to put skin and flesh on and I'm going to come and dwell in the dirt with my fellow people. To dwell in the dirt. Our faith is one that finds ultimate value in the gift that is continually given to us of finding God in unexpected places. So do you have eyes to see? Are your headphones off? Can you see what God is continuing to do around us? Would you stand with your feet? Stand to your feet with me this morning. See, we celebrate every single week every time we come together what Christ did on the cross that even in the worst part of this world in the most unexpected of all places God was there that's worth an amen that's worth a hallelujah even in death God showed up and now that death the end of the road points us to what God continues to do in our lives every day in unexpected places so that you and I can exclaim like Jacob for surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it so let let us take communion together and I want you to reflect on these two things Where do you need to get your hands dirty? Where in life do you have your headphones on and your eyes closed when you need to take them off and go and do some sifting, some fossicking? And then number two, where in this life do you need to receive the gift of what God is doing amongst us? To receive the gift of Him showing us His love, his hope, his joy, even in those unexpected places.